What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Hardcore Casual. My name is Wack Ops. How you doing? Welcome to our 10th episode. This is a very special episode for me. Uh, I, I forget where I heard it, but somewhere I heard that most podcasts don't make it 10 episodes. Now, technically speaking, this week is our 11th and 12th episode because I'm actually going to be giving you two episodes this week. You guys are going to get a bonus episode covering Gamescom. Gamescom ended up stretching over like five days, so I'm going to actually give it its own episode, just like I did with E3. Um, We're going to go over some important release dates that we got this week, Uh, most notably Halo, of course, the one we've been holding our breath for since, I mean, Jesus, what, 2020? And then we also, quite frankly, this week, I'm I'm coming in hot, man. It's The block is hot this week, y'all, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of controversy, a lot of people behaving badly out in the space this week. And I'm not talking about hate raids this week. I'm talking about everything else that seems to be okay behavior for games companies to be doing lately. And and I want to really dig into it because I feel like unless we talk about it, we're just going to let this week slide by. And I do want all of you to take note that there is a lot of news this week, but because Gamescom happened, a lot of people like to drop bad news while there's already a bunch of other things going on that people would rather talk about. So big publications aren't going to waste their time making a whole 20-minute length video on why one company is doing one thing poorly or another when they could be talking about the latest game releases, the latest trailers that just so happen to drop, and let another publication take that spot from them. So keep that in mind. Anytime it gets busy, some big launches go down. I might do a bonus episode just for games, just for the releases, just for, you know, the actual content and not all the things behind the scenes, which, you know, we love to talk about here at Hardcore Casual. But without further ado, let's just jump right into the headline news. The headliners where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment. Of course, we have to start with the most important topic this week, Halo. Halo Infinite is releasing on December 8th, 2021. This hit home for a lot of people, mostly because of that December date. The fact that it's so, so late has a lot of people nervous, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. Next, we actually had another release date, a much-anticipated game, and this broke a lot of hearts. Horizon Forbidden West will be releasing February 18th, 2022. So that means it is not going to make the holiday release window for Sony. And quite frankly, that really puts them in a tough spot as far as their holiday lineup. I, I don't really know what we're waiting on because after September, I don't think they really have anything. But again, we'll talk about Sony a little later when we start getting into our Platform Wars segment. Moving on into our next headliner segment, it's going to be about Activision once again. A couple of weeks ago, last week, about 10 days ago, Activision released their Call of Duty Vanguard promo. And it was pointed out on Twitter and then later highlighted in Kotaku uh, that Activision actually scrubbed their own name from their promo material. So you have Sledgehammer Games and Raven Software and all these other companies that have worked on it but no sign of Activision, and people thought it was weird. This was actually pointed out by Nibel on Twitter. Activision's logo has been prominent in past trailers and other promotional material. This was pointed out by Kotaku. 
years and years of Activision being splattered over everything, but the logo was not found on the Battle.net page or the pre-order sales page for Call of Duty Vanguard. Now, when asked about this, the company responded to a request for comment from Steven Totillo. They referred to it as a, quote, creative choice. Now, the fact that their logo is a liability is hilarious. You actually lose money by putting your own name on your work. Imagine that. Imagine if I couldn't say I made this podcast. That's how bad my name was. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. I'm not going to give them more time than they deserve. I just wanted to let y'all know that that is what's going on with them. We actually, that is one of two stories on Activision Blizzard today, but we'll get into it in a moment. Next, I need to take a breath on this one, y'all. This one I heard about early this morning. I woke up and it was one of the first things I saw this morning. And I didn't know how I was going to discuss it with y'all because this uh, this really made me mad. It, it upset me only because I, I feel like people take certain things for light. So, and there was a lot of really good takes on this today. So we'll, we'll kind of get into it. But basically, Fortnite had a March Through Time event featuring a speech from Martin Luther King. Now, they did a full model mock-up of the Washington Mall and the Lincoln Memorial in-game. Uh, the problem is, is that emotes weren't turned off. So that was my first big thing, is that during the I Have a Dream speech, you're seeing, you know, Rick and Superman doing the the woe or, or, or you know what I mean? Raising the roof. And it's, it, it's, it's silly. It's silly. If you go on, if you were on Twitter, you probably saw one of these Fortnite videos. And I think a lot of people who are parents were really annoyed because they're like, man, listen, I don't want Martin Luther King, a civil rights leader known as the guy from Fortnite. You know what I mean? Like I'm all for meeting the kids where they're at and doing education, but I don't know. Fortnite doesn't really seem like the platform for it. We have games about history. I mean, we have Age of Empires and we have Assassin's Creed. Not to say those would be better or worse or anything like that, but I think objectively something less cartoonish and something that has a reverence for history rather than marketing material 90% of the time. Like they have the Batman and Rick and Morty and blah, blah, blah. They they just had LeBron James in it. Like it's marketing, bro. Like that's why you get characters in it because they know you're going to buy it. But luckily, Martin Luther King was not a skin. I don't want to insinuate that he was used as a skin in the game because obviously you cannot have a civil rights leader who was assassinated be shot at in a game. <laughs> anyway, I am 100% for exposing kids to history and celebrating black leaders in popular media. I don't want anybody to misconstrue that. I think we should be doing that all the time. But... Look, if this isn't the most tasteful, I mean, the most tasteful thing they could possibly do, it could go immeasurably poorly, like horribly, horribly wrong. And I'm, listen, I'm mad-ish. I'm not mad enough. I don't play Fortnite. I'll keep it 100% with y'all. I, I don't play Fortnite. I've played it maybe twice. I'm good. It's not my bag. I'm, I have uh, my own shooters that I like to play, and that's just what it is. I like Call of Duty and and battlefield and whatever not not the point I, I i feel like it's hard for me to judge 
as a Fortnite player, but it's easy for me to judge as like a consumer of popular media. And it's it reminds me of the Boondocks episode. That's one thing I saw all over Twitter is just it was exactly the Boondocks episode. And I wish somebody had shown that to the Fortnite devs before they did this, because perverting messages is really easy when you're a dominant culture talking about a marginalized group. You know what I mean? Like, put it this way. I wouldn't go out and say, I want to make my whole, I want to make a whole event celebrating black women and then not consult black women. I don't know who they consulted. I'll be honest. That's one thing I do have a big question about in this is who, who was consulted on this? Who funded this project? Because most of the time when you have these crossover events, uh, different parties put up money to have Batman in the game, Joker in the game, or whoever, you know what I mean? And if it is just out of Epic's pocket, that's cool, dope. But I also want to hear from the family, uh, the the King family. I, I need to know what, what was going on and, and how they were approached when this was going on. Um, and how they feel about it now that kids are, you know, uh, doing a nay-nay in front of the Lincoln Memorial where Martin Luther King stood and delivered his I have a uh, I have a dream speech this is a big project man there's no half-ass in this so like I honestly I'm I'm tempted to just download Fortnite tonight and check it out myself just to see what's going on I want to see what's going on in the chat I want to see you know you know the Pepe boys is gonna be out man at a time when hate raids are happening I just feel like it's it's a it's a lot of attention on the black gamer community right now to be able to navigate and dodge these raindrops so we're going to keep pushing. I, I I would love to know what y'all think about this. Hit me on Twitter or, or email me because I, I want to know what your take is on this. This is a, a curious story to me. I, I hope that this goes well enough that some people are able to get an education and less people can be, I guess, bullied online, for lack of a better term, or or treated poorly online because of what a company did out of you know good intentions quote unquote like good intentions the way to hell pave with good intentions so anyway we're gonna move on into our next segment now if you thought last segment was pretty real let me tell you this next one it's real juicy we're talking about adult level conspiracies controversies gossip and rumors this is where we talk about all those things and everything comes with a little pinch of salt maybe not this week though y'all Maybe not. There are allegations and and whatnot littered throughout here, but let's just say we're not just talking about we're not talking about any games rumors this week. So put your big boy and big girl pants on and we are going to dive into it because our first segment comes with a little content warning. Ubisoft is under investigation for you know what. Again, Ubisoft Singapore is currently under investigation. This is according to an article from Kotaku, quote, Singapore's National Workplace Watchdog has launched an investigation into Ubisoft's local studio following allegations of sexual harassment and workplace discrimination. The TAFEP is now urging, quote, anyone with knowledge of any criminal conduct such as sexual harassment and assault to immediately report such instance to the police, end quote. So, why is this important? Because typically, watchdog organizations and different organizations within the government who hear of these allegations will go through the courts. 
but at the at the point that they are going through literally the police station and filling out police reports means they're active act, there's something actively going on this isn't past things have no something's happening in that building right now and i won't get into all the quotes from different people who have worked there but let's just say that this particular location has a reputation for this so keep an eye on this story we're going to keep holding their feet to the flames I'm sorry that this week is like this, y'all. I promise you're getting a bonus episode just for this. So next up, we have our next Activision story. Apparently, the DFEH in California is uh, extending their investigation of Activision, accusing Activision of shredding documents. This is according to Axios. Quote, it alleges in part that documents related to the investigation and complaints were shredded by human resources personnel in violation of what it asserts is the game company's legal obligation to retain them pending the investigation. Spokesperson for Activision Blizzard said, with regards to claims that we destroyed information by shredding documents, those claims are not true. We took appropriate steps to preserve information relevant to the DFEH investigation. So... The spokesperson from Activision Blizzard did not outright say that they did not shred documents. They did shred documents that were, quote, not relevant to the DFEH investigation. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, that That's what I'm hearing. I think they're being very specific. I think the spokesperson definitely spoke to the lawyers, obviously, before they put out this statement. I don't think this is an outright denial, and I think they're using choice language um, in order to, you know, quell the fears of their investors and the general public. I think this is them getting caught with their hand in a cookie jar, and I hope this actually comes something of it. Like, dude, I hope California really burns them, and I hope because they do, companies like Ubisoft will look and say, oh, man, we should probably change our company culture up a bit. Because this isn't going to sustain. It's not sustainable for the future. As far as what's happening in Singapore, obviously California has no bearing on that. But generally speaking, I think if you lead from the front or from the top, you're you're going to be able to influence how your company runs elsewhere. Otherwise, you probably shouldn't be leading that company. Anyway, our next story is honestly amazing reporting. I'm not going to take any credit for this story here. I think everybody, if you have the time to listen to me, you probably have time to go check out this YouTube video from Carl Jobst. That's K-A-R-L-J-O-B-S-T. He did one of the best YouTube documentaries I've ever seen. Great invest, uh, investigation reporting. This is all about the WADA grading heritage auction manipulation controversy. Now, what is happening? What is this all about? In the last couple months, I'm sure you guys have seen different video games, old wrapped video games like Mario 64 and uh, Legend of Zelda. And these games were going for literally millions and millions of dollars. I'm not going to break down to you all the intricate details because I couldn't do half of what uh, Mr. Jopes did in in his reporting, but I'm just going to give you a really, really, really like 3,000 foot up view of it. So essentially what is happening is WADA grading, the people who put give the number delineation to your 
item, if I take a comic book or a old video game, my old copy of Pokemon Yellow, and I turn it into them, they will put a number on it. And based on that number, people will be, be willing to buy more for it. I think you guys generally understand that. So WADA grading is the people who do the grading. And Heritage Auction House is the people who auction these off. So here's the problem. People work at both companies and cause a huge conflict of interest. This can cause market manipulation. They've been accused of shill bidding, um, which is basically where you place fake bids on your own stuff to drive up the price. And essentially... The people who are bidding on these things, who are auctioning these things, and who are grading these things are all creating a pump and dump bubble in which they benefit. You're wondering how do they benefit? Water grading gets paid by the grading, and if you get graded above a certain mark, they charge for that. And the Heritage Auction House charges you roughly 20% to the buyer and 5% to the seller every time something passes through their auction house. So when the price goes up, both of these entities end up benefiting. Now, one of the names you want to know is Jim Halpern. Now, Jim Halpern did this same pump and dump scheme in the 80s with coins. I'm not old enough to remember that, but go ahead and read up on the pump and dump bubble of coins in the 80s, and you will find Jim Halpern's name. He is he is a founder of Heritage Auctions, so he's already been accused uh, 20 years, 30 years back of pump and dump schemes and he owns an auction house. We're not too surprised that he's done it again. When this story went viral, when this YouTube video went viral, um, Heritage Auctions and WADA came out denying claims. Um, this was reported out by VGC and Carl Jost actually disputed those claims with receipts on Twitter. They had said that, you know, they had wished that uh, Mr. Jopes had gave them a chance to, you know, uh, answer him or rebuke these these allegations or whatever and apparently he had reached out to them and they had blown him off and so he went ahead with his story now these are some names i want you guys to remember because i like to say the names of the people who are perpetrating against us because we always get caught up in the name of the company and we always get caught up in all these things that actually provide protection for these people and we have to remember their names because it's much harder to change your identity than it is to make a new company. So, Dennis Kahn. Dennis Kahn is the founder and CEO of WADA. Jim Halpern, as mentioned before, uh, is the founder of Heritage. He is also an investor in WADA grading. Uh, allegedly, again, I, I want to say all of this is alleged. I, I do want to say there isn't been a whole lot of evidence to bear all of these things out. I do suggest watching the entire video, watch all of it. Um, but these are just some of the names that popped up in the video. If you have an hour, please, it'll be one of the best hours you spend this week watching how they pump and dump these video games and keep yourself safe. Uh, next, Jim, or excuse me, Jeff Meyer. Jeff Meyer is a WADA director. Dane Anderson. Dane Anderson is a WADA executive officer. Uh, Mark Haspel is a founder of WADA and a chief advisor. And if you're interested in other stories like this uh, around auctions and pump and dump schemes and things like that, there is an interesting one on wine auctions unrelated to video games or anything like that. If you just like cool documentaries about conspiracies and things like that, there's one called Sour Grapes uh, that I really enjoyed. And it, it kind of reminded me of this story in terms of 
how people can inflate the price uh, of something that has mm, s very small intrinsic value, you know? Moving on, let's get away from all the beef, all the smoke. It has been a lot this week. I know I hit you guys with a lot. We still have the trigger warning topic of the week. I have not forgotten, but let's take a little breather. Let's talk about some video games. This week, I'm introducing a new segment. It's called the Review Rewind. Now, this is where we revisit the community response to the latest releases and bring some titles to your attention. So this week, we're kind of doing a good, bad, and the ugly segment. This week, for the good, it is Psychonauts 2 on Xbox. Last time I checked, it had a overall Metacritic rating of 88. Now, that puts it in Game of the Year contention because uh, a lot of games that had a lot of hype did not break that 88 mark. So I'm curious to see how this holds as far as longevity. And the user score has only been up for less than 24 hours. And I did see some toxic review bombs there. No defending it. It has a 6.5 user score as it stands on Xbox right now for Psychonauts 2. Next, the bad. Let's talk about Madden 22 on Xbox. I'm taking the Xbox rating because... It's kind of arbitrary uh, when it comes to Madden. I don't think Madden is a big PC game seller and PlayStation is going to roughly come out to be the same rating. It had a critics rating of 67. That's pretty bad. Most uh, modern publications don't really give you below a six. So that's that's pretty much uh, as bad as it gets. Now, I will admit last year's, this is double what last year's had, of I believe it ended up with like a 34 or 32 or something like that. Maybe it ended with like a 35. Either way, not great. And this is the kicker. The user score is a 0.7. That means that means enough people gave it a zero that it couldn't get to a one. That's really bad. That's really bad. I, I'm I'm disappointed. I, I obviously am not going to be buying Madden 22 this year. And unless you're really, really dying for a roster update, I would suggest you hold off on this year and let them know that we want a better product next year or two years from now. Maybe actually put some time into it. Neither here nor there. Now, let's get into the ugly. This is going to be 12 minutes. Now, I'm taking the rating from PC because it, because it is... Uh, easiest to play on PC, and I, I heard because it's on Game Pass, a lot of people were actually, they were finding the controls a little clunky on Xbox and moved over to PC. So, the critics gave it a 78, and the user score is a 5.9. Now, why am I bringing this up if it's so middling? Because this has been arguably the most controversial title of the year. Some people call it one of the best stories they've ever heard. Other people are completely disgusted by the end of the game. Other people find it clunky and annoying, and other people find the puzzling uh, very rewarding. So it's very subjective, this game, but I would say give it a try if you have a Game Pass subscription. Try a new indie game, and if you like it, definitely go back and buy it. Support some of these developers that you see on Game Pass. It helps the indie developers, but too, it also benefits us in the long run in terms of Game Pass providing us more games. But yeah, this 12 minutes game, I haven't dove into it. I was waiting for reviews to come in and it was something that I wanted to, quite frankly, play with my roommates and we've had a very busy week over here. So if you're going to play it, play it with a group of friends or maybe you and your partner because I think that that is going to bear the, le the least amount of frustration. So other than that, that's all we're going to do. We're going to be bringing this segment 
in and out of the show just as games come out and we get some big releases or some games that I want to bring to your guys' attention and we actually see how they turned out. I'm always telling you guys about what's releasing and when it's coming out and all these leaks, but let's actually talk about how the community responds to these games because obviously I don't have time to play all of them. I know you don't have time to play all of them. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Hit me on my Twitter. I actually just made an Instagram at WACOPS today. So go ahead and follow me there and just comment or or shoot me an email and we can talk about what should be next in the review rewind come September because I know there's some good games coming out there. Next, we're going to get into the reel. That's where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. This week was funny. I, I don't know if I had brought it up on the podcast, but... Sony, when they had uh, announced that Mike Richards would be hosting Jeopardy, I was really sad. I was really sad because I wanted LeVar Burton to be the new host of Jeopardy. I thought it was his turn. And I mean, he's been a great host and he has a ton of memories with at least my generation, anybody who grew up on Reading Rainbow or better yet, anybody who watched Roots back in the day. So this week... <laughs> Not to say this is good news, I'm never rooting against nobody, but Sony fired Mike Richards from Jeopardy after only nine days. Now, this is according to Variety. This is because they let him go because of his offensive and sexist comments on a podcast that he had back in, I want to say, 2014. Now, he is staying on as executive producer because apparently he was very good at being the executive producer of the show. That's how he even got the job, was because he was... The the show that you don't see was this guy, Mike Richards. He did really good work, and I'm sure he's great at his job. But some of his comments, when he is a little lax, definitely rub some people the wrong way. I'm not going to read them off to you, mostly because they're not worth the airtime. I don't think this is cancel culture, but I definitely don't think that... ABC or CBS or Sony or anybody <laughs> who has Jeopardy playing on their station wants somebody who uh, could drive down ratings. So say it with me, LeVar Burton, if you're hearing this, I need you to tweet at Sony, ABC, whatever your local network that shows Jeopardy tweeted the show. We want LeVar Burton because he deserves to be the next host of Jeopardy. Now, let's go ahead and jump into this last episode of what if now episode three was titled what if the world lost its mightiest heroes spoiler warning warning right now because i want to talk about the ending you have five seconds to get out of here one two three okay now listen this episode was dope i'm so glad we finally got hank pym in an episode and a and a comic book hank pym because listen in the comic books, Hank Pym is not a great guy. He is not. He has a lot of controversial comic books uh, around domestic violence and things like that. He was an alcoholic for years, um, and they pretty much start stopped writing him into stories as much. But one thing that a lot of comic book fans miss is the fact that he is considered one of the highest intellects in Marvel Comics, uh, up there with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and T'Challa, stupid-ass Reed Richards. You know what I mean? Like, Dr. Doom. Like, he has one of those brains. Professor X. Like, he's smart, smart. So, like, I, as somebody who likes the intellectuals in comic books, I like the detectives. I like the scientists. I like to see at least an homage to 
the character that Hank Pym was written to be. I do appreciate that they rewrote the character and the Ant-Man character to be something that is more accessible to audiences nowadays, but this pumped me up. So, quick recap of the episode, in case you're not going to watch it because you don't have a Disney Plus subscription. Basically, someone ends up picking off all the Avengers, one by one, and they can't figure out who it is. And it comes down all the way to Black Widow, and she figures it out, calls Nick Fury, and it ends up being Ant-Man. Now, what made this episode interesting was not only the fact that we watched each of the Avengers die in a specific way, excluding Captain America, because he wasn't out of the ice yet or something in this universe. What I found most interesting was how he ended up killing the Hulk. Now, that I won't spoil for you, because I thought that was super weird. I was just like, man, Ant-Man is a scary... Like, if Ant-Man was a villain dog, yo, be very, very afraid. He wasn't playing. He wasn't playing. He was smart. He was cunning. He had a hell of a plan. He knocked that out of the park. More than that, I was surprised, and this was brought up by one of my roommates. They were like, so is Loki good or bad in this? And then by the end of the episode, we found out. But I did like when Asgard pulled up on Earth and was like, yo, dog, I don't think you understand how serious this is. <laughs> we're about to down your whole planet if somebody doesn't find my brother's killer by sunup. That was dope. That was dope. And the best part about this episode was it was a legitimate mystery. It was a detective story. Like, I maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm tripping. I'm not a real, quote-unquote, real comic book fan. You know what I mean? I've only been reading comics or, excuse me, purchasing comics since 2020. COVID, you know, inside. We had to do something. This was one of the few stories that I really felt was a mystery. And I feel like a lot of people like unraveling a mystery. And the fact that they could paint that picture in like 26 minutes or whatever it was, 22 minutes, uh, I was pretty impressed. I was really, honestly, this was probably my second favorite episode to the to the T'Challa episode. I guess that's not really saying much, but I was really impressed by this episode. It probably had something to do with Nick Fury. I do love Samuel L. Jackson and the MCU. But... That's enough of that. We'll come back next week and we'll talk about uh, what next week's episode is. I believe Doctor Strange, where he goes extra, extra dark Doctor Strange. And he's like kind of an anti-hero. I'm excited to see that. I, I, I like more Doctor Strange content, you know? Speaking of more Doctor Strange content. Are you guys ready? It's the only thing we're talking about this week. Forget about Halo. Forget about Gamescom. It's only one thing on the internet that everyone was talking about this week, and that is the Spider-Man trailer. Oh my goodness, this drama just would not end. First of all, let's just talk about the leak first. For those of you who are, you know, a little tapped into the internet, I guess like what, less than 24 hours before the trailer dropped, right? a leak came out of this fuzzy fuzz i mean it was basically a computer screen being recorded by a phone being recorded by another phone and then i'm watching it on twitter so it was so degraded that you could hardly see anything but there was enough that you could make out that spoilers were already out by midday what was in the trailer? Oh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you saw it. Can we just can we just talk about that for a second? First of all, we got the Green Goblin. That was a huge reveal. I did not expect the Green Goblin to actually make it into the film. Honestly, I thought they were going to give us like two villains. And it looks more and more like they're giving us 
maybe six. We might get a Sinister Six, like really, really, um, especially if they do the multiverse thing. I'm pretty sure I saw Sandman in there. I know we saw Electro. I know we saw Doc Ock, obviously. That was the that was the big reveal, Albert uh, Molina as Doc Ock, which I'm very excited for. I I mean, the, the acting is great. I um I won't lie, I am 50-50 a Raimi fan. That is my Spider-Man that I grew up with is uh Tom McGuire's Spider-Man. So it it's hard for me to really pick a side, but I would love to see him even a little bit doing the Spider-Man thing. Even if he's retired Spider-Man, I don't care if he's old man Spider-Man, which is like not even a thing. Middle-aged Spider-Man, post-college, married Spider-Man. I don't know. Whatever they want to do with that character. I would love to see. I would love to see. And I hope, I really uh, hope they bring back Sandman. Not gonna lie. He was one of my favorite villains from that trilogy. So knock me if you want, but I I really dug uh, Sandman's just character arc in that and how comic book accurate he was. I thought that was dope. Anyway, we're gonna go ahead and take a break here because obviously you want to go back, you want to go and watch that Spider-Man trailer one more time. I might do the same thing. Let's go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to jump into the platform wars. And after that, we're getting, we're getting right into uh, this Halo controversy, man. I got to talk about it. I got to talk about it. So you guys come right back and we'll be right here. This is Hardcore Casual. All right, folks, welcome back. We're going to jump right into the platform wars. That is where we keep a pulse on the major platforms in the gaming space and where they're headed to next. Now, we're going to go ahead and get into this Sony PlayStation business first, because honestly, it's pretty minor. No Nintendo news this week. Honestly, I think they dodged a bullet this week because I don't have a lot of good news for too much of anybody. That's not fair. I, I don't have a lot of good news for the major players in the space. Uh, not unless you go ahead and check out my Gamescom episode that's going to be dropping right after this one, either Friday night or Saturday morning, depending on how much sleep I get. So anyway, without further ado, let's talk about this new PlayStation 5 model that is now out in the wild, according to VGC. Now, what is the story on this thing? We've been talking about it for weeks. Apparently, it is 300 grams lighter. We know that it has a new screw that will allow console owners to change the stand orientation without a screwdriver. Before, you needed to unscrew a screw in order to turn it on its side or have it standing up, which is fairly impractical considering like kids own these consoles sometimes and like older people, just people who aren't, aren't into doing any kind of hardware or anything. They just want to plug it in and be done with it. So, But we don't have any breakdowns yet. It's not in the wild enough that any of the tech preview people have really gotten their hands on it to see what exactly has changed with this model, but my guess is it's probably very little. I wouldn't imagine that there's any measurable difference, any real difference between the two models. So let's hope that this actually allows them to put out some more consoles, wherever that 300 grams is going. But yeah, we'll see. Let's cross our fingers that nothing goes wrong. Uh, next, let's talk about Sony's holiday lineup. I brought it up earlier, but I have a real question for y'all, man. If you have a PS5 out there, what are you playing this Christmas? Now, I, and I want to 
fully state, I understand third party is wild this summer. I mean, this winter. I, I get that we got a bunch of games coming out, but if you have a PS5 and you're locked out of the Halo release, right? So let's see, you got uh, third party games like Dying Light, the Call of Duties, the, you know what I mean, Back for Blood. You got these games. I get you. I'm not saying that those aren't available to you. The sports titles are still going to be out. I dig you. But in terms of why you bought a PlayStation 5, how much did you pay for that PlayStation 5, for one? And for two, didn't you expect to be playing some PlayStation exclusives on it? This generation PlayStation exclusives? So far this year, we've had, what, Ratchet & Clank, Returnal, Ghost of Tsushima. And then, coming in September, we have Deathloop, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, and Death Stranding, Director's Cut. Other than that, we have Jet, which is a small indie title coming in October, and that is it. It's smooth sailing from there. It's nothing left. So I'm curious as to all you PS5 owners, are you, I, I know you're just, look, I know you're disappointed with the February release of Horizon Forbidden West, but what are, what are your feelings towards Sony when it comes to the next generation? If you had, let's say the next generation was coming up tomorrow and you had to choose all over again, would you still choose the PS5? And this isn't saying that as a Microsoft fanboy. Y'all know I have an Xbox. That's what I primary on because that's what it's been for me for a number of years. But at the end of the day, I think it's not unfair to say that because the narrative has shifted back back into Xbox's favor in terms of what there is to play on your system, Sony is really shooting themselves in the foot. They better hope that they get some games pop in post February because I think what a lot of Sony fans and a lot of PlayStation 5 owners are going to do by that time is going to start looking at third party options or worse you're just shooting yourself in the foot for the long game you're making it harder for people to want to buy into your ecosystem let's say you are trying to chase game pass there's less incentive to be there because the exclusives aren't there so who knows, maybe alongside some of these big releases, they'll start rolling out a Game Pass competitor that is actually competing, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Hit me up in my inbox or DM me or hit me on Twitter. Let me know what you think. If you're a PS5 owner, how are you feeling about uh, this winter release? What are you going to be purchasing for the holidays? If you're a parent, what are you getting for your kid this holidays? What are the kids asking for for, the, uh, for Christmas this year on their new PlayStation 5? Now, let's go ahead and talk about some Microsoft Xbox news. This week, at their Xbox showcase before Gamescom, Xbox announced that they are going to be releasing a new Halo Infinite limited edition Xbox Series X console. And they're also introducing a Halo 20th anniversary edition of the Elite 2 Xbox controller. For $200. Now, the new Xbox Series X console is sold at retail for $550, but you can go ahead and bet that it is being sold on eBay for, last time I checked, roughly around two grand. You could probably find one for like $1,300, $1,400, but 
not not fun. This is supposed to release on November 15th, and I don't really have much else to say about it because either you got it already or you don't. So I'm sorry to say, like, please, I will I will repeat it. Do not support resellers. Do not support the secondary market, at least as long as this supply-demand shortage is just killing us, killing us. So anyway, they had one more announcement that I actually thought was pretty cool. This was at Gamescom. xCloud is coming to Gen 8 consoles this holiday. What does that mean? If you are unable to find an Xbox Series console for whatever reason, you can now experience Gen 9 games. So let's say I really want to play Microsoft uh, Flight Simulator, which I do really, really, really badly. <laughs> And you don't have, you know, a computer rig that can run it. And you're just sitting here with an Xbox One. Now, through xCloud, you'll be able to run those games. Now, there will be latency issues. It depends on your internet connection. It's early in development. But the fact that they're releasing this to their existing player base says to me that they have some confidence that they can have this be stable for some significant amount of time. But best believe... If it crashes out and it becomes another Google Stadia situation, which, granted, Google Stadia has, like, great performance. If it becomes one of those situations where it just does not stick with their user base, it doesn't stick with the consumer, best believe I'll be talking about why that is and how we got there. But as it stands right now, if for some reason I'm still not able to find an Xbox Series X because I'm not willing to pay a reseller $800, $900, for a $500 console, yeah, best believe I am going to be testing this out for y'all. I want to play Flight Sim really, really bad. I keep saying it. Now, go ahead and get some water. Take a breath because we're about to give them the blues. It is our trigger warning topic of the week. And trust me, there's a reason we were just talking about Microsoft because this week it is all about Halo. Now, the trigger warning topic of the week is where we dissect everything under the surface and bring it to light. And this week is all about these Halo delays. This really broke some people's spirits as far as their hopes for the Halo franchise. So let's not get too deep into it without me getting giving you the actual story but let's just say there is a huge huge amount of pressure on microsoft on xbox on halo to perform this holiday season so 343 delayed key game modes this past week for halo infinite this is according to windows central gaming they've delayed one the co-op which they're delaying until Season 2, which is three months after launch, and Forge until Season 3, which is supposedly supposed to be six months after launch. Uh, let me go ahead and read you a quote from the head cre of creative, Joseph Staten. Quote, Unfortunately, as we focused the team for shutdown and really focused on a quality experience for launch, we made the really tough decision to delay shipping campaign co-op for launch, and we also made the tough call to delay shipping Forge past launch as well. I'm going to read you some more quotes, but what the hell was going on a year ago? 
Do you guys remember when we were sitting here a year ago and we were like, okay, the Xbox Series X is coming out, Halo's coming out, and then they announced, like, actually, Halo is delayed indefinitely. It is not going to be available for launch with the new console. Damn. And everybody lost it. But you know what? They flashed back to June or July 2020. And they remember seeing Craig and that that just those horrible not next-gen graphics and all this. All this that we made a big deal over, right? What would have happened if they released that game a year ago? Would it have been a cyberpunk-level disaster? Would it have been that kind of situation? And And if they had... What would have that meant for the Xbox Series X? What what would that have meant for Game Pass? That could have really crippled them total. So whoever made that decision, I mean, kudos to you. That game must have needed a delay. Because co-op is quintessential Halo. You have to have it in there. And Forge is the future of Halo. It's one of those things that keep people coming it's custom matches it's forge is basically where you can make custom matches and build your own map and have your friends play on it that is the uh, in a in a lot of multiplayer online games that is uh what keeps people coming back it's what sustains it as along with the battle passes and the increased content dlc and and story expansions and blah 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 but as far as a game mode that will keep people creating within your own game and keeping them in your ecosystem forge is one of those for halo and same with co-op like local co-op is everything with halo that's how i picture halo in my head as much as i love online play i imagine my friends in a room playing together or i imagine at least being able to play the campaign alongside my homies apparently 343 had considered delaying the game the full game again this is according to comicbook.com. Quote, this is from head of creative Joseph statement again. Quote, yeah, I mean, we talked about doing that, delaying the game, but where we landed is that Halo Infinite is a live game, so it isn't ever really done. It's going to progress and evolve from season to season. We talk about launch being the beginning of that journey, but to have a beginning, you need to pick a moment and actually begin statement said of the reason to delay specific features rather than the entire game so let's talk about the concerns with the the delay because i think a lot of people are kind of caught up in their feelings but there are some legitimate concerns there those of you that are defending this i i understand where you're coming from but there are legitimate concerns out there so first that popped up into my head because the Let's be clear, the community is pretty split. Some people do not care that these features are being delayed, and other people are saying, this is a deal breaker, I'm not paying for this game now. But, first of all, free-to-play monetization scares. If any of these aspects end up behind a paywall, best believe the community is going to raise hell. Or even, in terms of Forge, small aspects of it, assets that you would use to create different parts of your game if those are behind a battle pass that definitely scares people not being able to get the entire game in hand for their 60 dollars is definitely going to freak people out and if it's associated with the multiplayer free-to-play aspect double those concerns because you have to pay for this game somehow 
So we know it's going to be behind a paywall. Now, let's not forget that the campaign also has not been shown since last year. Only cinematics. No gameplay. And it's out in like three months. And this is your flagship title. This is your console seller. It's concerning, man. It's concerning. And it brings up larger conversations around delays. Do we want incomplete games at launch or do we want delayed games? First, I want to acknowledge the fact that 343 is probably crunching super hard right now. The fact that they couldn't have a November release date, one, and the fact that they delayed two of these major game modes, two, says to me they were not ready for launch and they probably needed another delay. So I acknowledge that 343 is probably going through it right now and you know hats off to them thank you i hope that you guys can deliver a great game and get your flowers from the community but i mean listen everybody brings it up but like nobody wants a cyberpunk again y'all and we can't listen to the loudest smallest group who's calling for these games to just be put out because i don't know about y'all but i don't like spending full money for partial product i don't want to give you my money in hopes that you give me a full game i think about anthem probably more than cyberpunk only because i think that was the first it's like lie to me once shame on you lie to me twice shame on me i didn't buy anthem but best believe i've learned my lesson i don't care how big the title is i don't care what the promises are they make don't (laughs) pre-order don't pre-order pay attention wait for reviews let the people who get the game for free test out the game. And on the company side, I understand what's happening. And I want the audience to know what's happening. This is not about the consumer. This is about the investor. Why do I say that? Take any popular game franchise, for example. Even if you don't like a game, there's a more than 50% chance that if you buy two titles in my franchise that you're going to buy the third. You know what I mean? Like familiarity sells. Once you get your hooks into somebody, it sells. Look at Nintendo. They've been selling the same games. How many Pokemon have we gotten before it's changed the format at all? There is a reason why these video games companies do not appeal to their long-term fans. There's a reason why you're seeing the monetization model move toward live service is because this is big business now. A lot of these companies are publicly traded. Their investors are listening to them. So they don't care if the game is complete because you're not going to find out it's incomplete until a week after you bought it. And by that time, investors are happy. And you have your funding for your next game that you can rush out the door and get my money for. But how many times can they keep doing that before we get over it? It's hard because a new customer is born every day. It's hard to educate young gamers like, hey man, this is how you should responsibly spend your money in gaming. The more battle passes that we support, the more profitable live service is. That's why live service is so profitable. Think about it. I can sell you a $60 game at launch, half of a game, 
and then I can slowly disperse to you the other half of the game and charge you for it. That's incredible. That's a great business model. So you're going to keep seeing games that get released half-baked and then get an update and then turn to monetization that make false promises. Don't expect there not to be another Jedi Fallen Order. Don't expect there not to be another cyberpunk. I just think that most fans hope and pray that Halo is not going to be the next franchise to do this to us. Because quite frankly, I'm, I'm tired of it. I would just say this. When you see trends like single player selling really well and investors paying attention, reward them for that. Buy more single player games. Buy more offline games. Stop buying Battle Passes as much. If you don't need it, don't buy it. I'm not buying this year's Call of Duty. Hopefully, I won't make no promises to y'all. I'm not buying this year's Call of Duty. I'm not buying this year's Pokemon. I'm not buying a bunch of games because I need them to do better for my money. And I get it. I'm a drop in the bucket. I'm only one customer. But you're listening to this podcast right now. And if I can get you to stop spending your money in irresponsible ways, good. I'm not telling you not to buy this next Halo. I'm telling you not to pre-order this next Halo. I'm telling you that this campaign better be a $60 campaign if I'm not going to get co-op in Forge. And I hate to say it because I was rooting for Halo. I was. I really wanted to see Halo make a comeback. And now that hope is starting to dwindle. And I, and I, I feel for a lot of fans of the franchise who's been there and invested since day one. And... It sucks that older fans and legacy fans get treated so poorly. But I don't mean to be a downer. Let's hold out hope that this delay, these few delays will actually cause this game to come out really well polished. You know what I mean? And I, I'm excited for the multiplayer. I'm still going to play the multiplayer. You know what I mean? I'm still going to enjoy the multiplayer, assuming... I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait six months in. And if they deliver on all this Forge stuff and all this other stuff without trying to play the customer, if they stick to their what they promised us, all right, then maybe they can get some additional money from me. But that's the end of that. I don't want to dog out Halo anymore because honestly, I want to leave some good news for what we get into in our bonus episode this week, it's all about Gamescom. I still have yet to record it because, I, as you guys know, I record on Thursdays and it doesn't end till tomorrow. So in the meantime and in between time, why don't you guys go ahead and holler at me? You can hit me at my Gmail. That's WACOPS, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z, at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter and now, as of today, on Instagram, at WACOPS, that's again, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Please like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, retweet, detweet, upvote, whatever you gotta do. But please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review that would really greatly help, I guess, the algorithm push my show. Oh, oh and I do want to give a special shout out to my international fans. I see y'all. I see y'all all over the world uh, listening to, to the podcast. Thank you for your support. And thank you to everybody who's been here since the beginning. If this is your very first episode, I promise I talk about video games a lot more than this usually. Um, or at the very least, uh, not so much doom and gloom in the space. Um, but again, 
please like, share, and subscribe, uh, or please just at least engage with me on my socials. I'd love to hear from you guys. I'm going to start posting uh, more weekly polls, more pictures, more clips. I'm going to try and get s- some more diverse content out to y'all in different platforms. Just bear with me and be witness to our growth. So thank you very much. I'm going to leave you guys this week as I usually do with the shout out of the week. That is where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. I got not one, not two, but three shout outs this week to three beautiful black people getting their money in this entertainment space. First, we have the Black Canary movie that is in the works for HBO Max from writer Misha Green and Journey Smollett will be reprising her role as Black Canary. This is according to Collider. Now, Black Canary first was introduced in the Birds of Prey movie uh, alongside Harley Quinn. You may know Misha Green from Lovecraft Country. She um, is said to be writing, but no director has yet to be announced. Now, I will give one caveat to this. It seems like HBO Max has sent a lot of uh, people of color and black creators straight to streaming rather than WB giving them a chance at the big screen. They can do better, but in the meantime, I like that they're giving writing options to black creators over there at HBO. Second on the list, we have Anthony Mackie. He has officially inked a deal for Cap to play Falcon in Captain America 4. This is according to Deadline. Not much else to say besides the fact that I was surprised that this deal wasn't already done, considering all that they did in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. But I'm excited to see this brother get his chance on the big screen. I hope it's a leading role for him, though I also hope that they have a strong supporting cast around him. Neither here nor there. I'm glad that Disney and Marvel are recognizing a black man deserves his money playing a major role in one of their films. And lastly, we have Dominique Thorne's Riri Williams to debut in Black Panther 2. This is according to comicbook.com. Now, Riri Williams is Ironheart in the comic books, and this will spin off into an Ironheart series for Disney+. Plus. So, very excited for that. For those of you who know Ironheart, very beloved comic book character. Now, With all three of these, of course, I have questions about production. Of course, I have questions about plot. But there is no question that I love seeing more black people in leading roles throughout Hollywood. That is incredible. That is amazing. Let's keep supporting these projects so they give us more content and prove them wrong. And when they say that black does not sell overseas or black does not blow up the box office, let's prove them wrong. So please go support these projects. I love you all. I got to get up out of here. My name is Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous.